hour of awakening and empowerment comes your way from Ethereum Mission International, the Church for Spiritual Empowerment. And it comes your way every Tuesday and Thursday from 8 p.m. British Summer Time, that is 7 p.m. GMT, till 9.30 British Summer Time, and that will be 8.30 GMT. We're here just for one single purpose. To discover our true selves and empower ourselves to that effect. Today, as the leader and founder of Ethereum Machine gave us a tip of what we're going to be discussing today, evolutionary imperative. And he specifically said, is it one of the messages or it is a message that he would want the whole world to know. And if he gets that done, he is more than happy to exit the body. That is to say, he has some very particular importance to this message. What more can I do than to go straight away to Ghana and welcome him to give us this message today? Good morning, Daddy. Good morning. How are we doing? Love alive. Love alive. And I know why you are feeling <laughs> love alive yes <laughs> but before before we go on to that very wonderful message you want to give to us today um well um i, I hope you've been hearing about uh, dr mensa otabel uh, and some of the things that have been said about him lately in our country with concerning the the, the fact that he was he was um, a board chairman of one of our banks in ghana I know you were a, a, a businessman before, you know, leaving everything and just getting into full-time ministerial um, service. Is it is it difficult to combine you being a spiritual leader and a businessman? Because um, some people are saying there's been some conflict of interest or what have you in his dealings. Is it difficult to be able to combine the two? Hmm, I wouldn't say yes or no. You can do one business, that would be very difficult. You can do 10 businesses, that would be quite easy, depending upon your passion, your vision for life, and your dream. I mean, he may have the dream to help entrepreneurs, as he said. I heard something from of him this morning. It's, it's his passion to help people, Ghanaians, who are passionate about creating jobs and uh, helping the economy, support them with his knowledge and abilities. And if that is his passion, then to me, um, he should be able to fulfill it. But having a passion, desiring to do something good, intending to do something good, doesn't mean that you have all the ability to do it. And you may have all the ability to do it, but it doesn't mean you get all the support to do it. So there are many technicalities that may interfere with your ambitions. But once that is his ambition, I don't think that the collapse of that bank would mean the end of his ambition. I believe he will still go on. He's an honorable person. Um, he's achieved great strides for the nation. He's one of the, uh, the greatest private universities in the country. And all that. I mean, so if one business does not or did not go on well, that to me cannot describe or circumscribe him. Hmm. 
Well, um, Ghanaians are not having this kind of uh, understanding at all, and they, they 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 just want to give to him anyhow. Uh, but as as always, you've given a different perspective as to you, <laughs> this very issue. Uh, I'm just itching to hear evolutionary imperative. As you said, it is one of the messages that you would want to reach the whole world. So, without much ado, I'll sit back here and you take us through that master topic, evolutionary imperative. Over to you, Brother Ishmael. Good morning, my beloved, cherished listeners. And I say good morning because it's always morning in God's neighborhood. This is my core message for humanity. And I trust that you will listen to it with an open heart so that you will apply yourself to the reason why you are here on earth. The topic is the evolutionary imperative. You are here to co-create your soul with God or with life. If you choose to call God life or you choose to call life God, whatever you call it, it is the same. But you are simply here to co-create your soul. This may not be a simple statement to understand that you are here to create your soul. You see, whatever pains or pleasures you go through in life, as far as life is concerned, there are opportunities for you to grow your soul. Life does not care about you. It only cares about how you use everything it provides you to grow or develop your soul. If you were to throw dung at the seed, it will use it as fertilizer to grow into a mighty tree. As a seed put into the soil, when you put a seed into the soil, it has to create or grow itself into a mighty tree. And similarly, you are put here into this human earth life experience for you to grow or create your soul into a mighty God being. You are spirit and you are here to grow your soul wealth. I repeat, you are spirit and you are here to grow your soul wealth. You've heard me several times say that to live and not know who and what you are is a tragedy. And to not know your purpose is a disaster. Today, I believe you will have some good understanding of you, that you are spirit. And the business you have here on planet Earth is to create or grow your soul with all of the opportunities that life presents to you. You are a unit of life in life for the promotion of life. So every unit of life that you meet with is just under version of yourself, including even the animals, the plants, the air, the water, everything you meet is under version of yourself. Life uses itself as you to promote itself. And you use life in all of its presentations to promote you. And you promote you in ways that promote life. Mm. In this study, I would like to share with you with proofs from nature and from scripture so that these become empirical evidences 
of what I've just shared, that you are here to co-create with life. Evolutionary imperative means you have no choice. You have to evolve. We are all here to fulfill that cosmic mandate. So let's get a few examples or pieces of knowledge from nature for us to know that this is the reason why you are here. The deeper desire of everyone, irrespective of your race, creed, or culture, is to be more of yourself. You want to be more of the love, intelligent, and creative being you are. By love, I mean you are caring, you are kind, you are generous, you offer shelter, you want to live in peace. These are all shades of love. By intelligence, I mean you are a counselor, you are a teacher. So there are people whose passion is to teach. They want to be there to impart knowledge to somebody or organize. That is intelligence. There are others also who are very creative. They want to dance. They want to design. They want to utter and so on. So these are all examples of creative abilities. And whatever talents or abilities you came to the planet with, whatever your innate nature or being is, you want to be more of that. So every soul needs to ask himself or herself, who and what am I and why am I here? This is the quest for self-identification and knowledge. Even a child born will be putting its fingers in the mouth, trying to taste itself, want to prove itself, want to find itself. We are here for this. So we are here to define ourselves, identify ourselves, to have self-knowledge of who and what we are, and then apply ourselves. Who am I? What am I? And how do I operate? In other words, in what ways do I operate me? Many people think they are living their lives, but a brief check into your life will let you know that you are simply being manipulated by the external forces. Have you ever moved to the high street to buy something because of an advert? That's because the advert influenced you. Similarly, in many areas of your life, you are influenced sometimes by the opinions of people. Check your life and discover how many things you do that you would not do or you would not have done, but you did just because of the opinions of people. And on the reverse, how many things are you not doing that you should do? You are not doing because of the opinions of people, not because you do not like it. Beloved, I'm inviting you to self-discovery, the need for you to know yourself. So the first drive in you, the first evolutionary drive in you is a quest for you to know yourself, knowledge of the self. And I'll talk more about it. And the second is that belief. Belief is your awareness of how life operates and your role in it, what you are to do as a unit of life for life to operate. Belief is subjective and it's made up of your thoughts, your feelings and your emotions uh, and how you view your world. And through this, you are creating and growing the inner you. Belief comes from within. It grows the inner you. If your friends and workmates were to see your thoughts, your feelings, would they want to come in partnership with you? Would they want to come and hug you? Would they want to be friends with you? Or would they want to run away? 
All these are based on the beliefs you are having. You see, it's not the thoughts you are having about your friends. If your friends were to see some of the thoughts you are having about other people, would they be scared? If you were to see the thoughts of your wife, your spouse, your husband, and your spouse is thinking some dangerous, hateful thoughts about somebody, would you want to be in his or her company? He or she is even thinking of how to murder somebody, planning some grueling ways of uh, torturing and murdering somebody. You will want to run away. It will not be a safe place for you, you will think. So, by your thoughts, by your feelings, by your emotions, you are creating a world within you. So the second evolutionary drive is having evolutionary belief system. And the third is that everybody check your life. You are happy when somebody does something for you. When somebody gifts to you or does something good to you, you are happy. But your greatest happiness always is when you are able to do something good, great, or magnificent for somebody. In other words, when you are positively impactful on somebody's life, that is what gives you greater joy. And I invite you to therefore live a life of impact so that you get the sense of fulfillment, a true sense of fulfillment, and not just a shadow sense of fulfillment. To get a sense of fulfillment, many people carry on on the, on the journey of amassing wealth, making a lot of money, and they never even pause to enjoy their wealth. The question is, what do you do to enjoy even your wealth? Mm-hmm. By wealth, I don't mean only having money and properties. If you are a caring person, that is inner wealth. What do you do to enjoy it? If you are a counseling person, that is inner wealth. What do you do to enjoy it? Many even go to church to worship a human sky god. I want to tell you, God is not a person. God is the absolute purposeful creative love intelligence that runs life within life and it is the very body of life. And you are a part of this. You are a part of this power we choose to call God. So, Let's now see how nature speaks to these elements I have just mentioned. If you observe life, you will realize that life is very purposeful. The earth is spinning a thousand miles an hour to give us night and day. And speeding around the sun at a speed of 67,000 miles an hour to give us the seasons, without which there will be no life. So there's a purpose for the earth spinning and speeding. Can you think of the speed spinning a thousand miles an hour on its axis and speeding around the sun at the same time at 67,000 miles an hour? It, we are on a dancing planet. But it is so massive that we don't feel this dancing of the earth. What power, what intelligence, what love, what ability is making this happen? This power, this love, this creative ability is what we choose to call God. When we observe closely, even at the atom, 
which is actually a miniature of the solar system. The solar system is a sun with the body of the planets that go around it. And when you look at the atom, scientifically, it has the nucleus that you may describe as the sun, and then it has the electrons going around it or its planets going around it. The nucleus holds within it a force of gravity to keep the electrons together. That force that keeps them in the bond of oneness is what we choose to call love. And every atom knows the number of electrons that will go around its orbit. That is intelligence at work. So it intelligently knows how many electrons it must have. And when two atoms meet, such as hydrogen atom and oxygen atom, they know that two particles of hydrogen atom must meet with oxygen atom to form a water molecule. You and I did not set this in motion. This self-knowing creative ability in the atoms is what we choose to call God. We didn't set this in motion, and our lives are constituted or created out of these. That will tell you that this creative love intelligence that is managing the earth, the solar system, is also there in the atom, meaning that it's within every fabric of life. So we come to know that we are living in a purposeful universe, and you must therefore have a purpose. There is a purpose for you being here. And as I shared earlier, you are here to evolve. When you put a grain of corn in the ground, it becomes more of itself. And that is the evolutionary imperative that it is following, to be more of itself. Life comes from life. And created in the spiritual image and likeness of this love, intelligence, and creative power of the universe, you are also here, like the seed to express all of your innate abilities. I said, put a seed in the ground, it grows. And you are here in this earth human life to also grow. Again, look at the flower. It exudes with uh, the radiance of its beauty. It secretes its nectar. Then the appropriate insects will come to celebrate and enjoy its beauty, suck its nectar. And in the process, they will pollinate the plant so that it will start bearing fruits. Watch the divine harmony and the divine synchronicity. As far as the flower is concerned, it's simply exuding its beauty, secreting its nectar. As far as the insects are concerned, they're having a great time, a bountiful food to, to enjoy, fragrance to attract them. So when you release your fragrance, exude your beauty, and secrete your nourishment to nourish life, life nourishes you. So the insects come to be nourished. And in so doing, they fulfill the purpose of the plant. Can you imagine what intelligence in the universe has made this happen? The tree must grow. And to grow, it must be impactful upon life. It must be willing to serve life by releasing its fragrance, its beauty, and secreting nectar. The birds and the animals also eat of the fruits of the tree, and in their droppings, they plant more. As far as the birds and animals are concerned, they're having some good food from this tree, but in the process, they are also uh, being employed purposefully to plant or grow more. So they propagate more of that tree. 
Each unit of life, therefore, is here for the promotion of other units of life, and by reference, is here for the promotion of all of life. Nature proves this to us. Again, from nature, we see clearly that all things are here to evolve the promotion of other life, and that is the law of life. You are a being of nature. You eat nature. You drink nature. You drink nature. Your body is nature. When nature calls, you know you have to rush the restroom quickly, else, else you mess up. You are breathing nature. So from you to the ends of the infinite universe, you are a bundle of creative love, intelligent energies. You are a being of nature. You are a nature being. When this wisdom sinks into humanity, that we are nature beings, and that we are here to evolve for the promotion of life, hmm, we will realize that each person is under extension of ourselves, and everyone will work our best to promote one another. We will call for the good out of one another. And that is the world you and I are praying for, listening to the soul of everybody, even the soul of the man in the battlefield. There's only one prayer. There's only one cry. I want peace. I want love. So the man in the battlefield holding the gun to shoot is praying, oh, let this be over for me to be home to enjoy my family and have peace and love my, my family. So the cry of everybody today is for love to express. We are here, therefore, to evolve. The ultimate grand purpose of every soul is this. You are here to evolve for the promotion of life. And anything to the contrary, anything to the contrary of this upward trust, this is the upward thrust of every soul. And anything to the contrary will produce pain. Mm-hmm. So, I've proven to you from nature that we are here for the promotion of life. We are here to evolve. Hence, evolutionary imperative. Everything is evolving. What you are eating, what you depend on, are all evolving. Without life evolving, you will not even be here. So you are here also as a unit of life to evolve for the promotion of life. And you better engage yourself in promoting the visions and the purposes of life. And anything to the contrary is pain. So now let's go to scripture and hear what scripture also said. In Genesis 1, 26 to 28, scripture tells us that God creating us in his, her own spiritual image and likeness, then blessed us and said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Be fruitful. In addition to being fruitful, multiply. So you realize that life is asking you to be more. Be fruitful, not bear fruits. Created in God's image and likeness. God's image of peace, love, joy, wisdom, according to Galatians 5, 22-23. The fruit of the Spirit is peace, love, joy, wisdom. Jesus has told you in John 4, 24, that God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So, 
you are here as a spiritual image and likeness of God. Mm. Let me pause a moment for you to think about this. I'm here as a spiritual image and likeness of God. Good. So here, as a spiritual image and likeness of God, you've been blessed to be more. When Bible said be fruitful and multiply, it wasn't meaning just that go to the planet and just have children. No. Many people think that be fruitful and multiply means go to the world and have children. <laughs> um, I believe that's why in the olden days, some people will think that let me have 10 children, 20 children, 50 children, and so on. So, take a moment and contemplate on this. We're having some noise in the background, and I wouldn't want you to be disturbed. So I will pause for the noise to pass by, and then I will continue. In this moment, it gives you the opportunity to contemplate on what you've heard so far. This is a topic I wouldn't want to rush. I want you to listen to it with your soul. So we'll pause a few more moments for this noise that you are hearing in the background to fade off. We do get this noise from time to time, but this is one of the longest that is lasting. Let's trust it will fade off soon. If I'm speaking, you can still hear it. When we go to scripture, the Bible tells us in Genesis 1, 26 to 28, that God created us in its own image and likeness. That is in God's spiritual image and likeness. And then God blessed us, what I call the original blessing, when God said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. That is a clear command. It's not saying, may you be fruitful. It's saying, be fruitful, meaning a command. So, bear fruits of my God nature. Jesus told us in the book of John 4.24 that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Galatians 5.22-23 tells us that the fruit of the spirit is peace, love, joy, and so on. Meaning that these are the qualities or the natures of God. God is peace, love, joy, wisdom, creativity, and so on. And we are here to bear these fruits of God. 
So the command, therefore, interprets that I've created you in my creative love intelligent image, images, and you are to bear more fruits of this. Out of nothingness, God created the universe, and out of nothingness, today we are inventing many things. From the silence, the nothingness, ideas are pouring through us, and we are inventing the very marvels of life. So God has commanded you to evolve. Hence, evolutionary imperative. Be fruitful. In addition, multiply your fruitfulness. In addition, replenish the earth with it. In addition, uh, subdue the earth with it. And finally, be in dominion with your God characters. You have to be in dominion with your God natures. So, beloved, when we read the book of Genesis 2.15, God has created the spiritual you in his image and likeness. Then in Genesis 2.15, the Bible says that, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The King James said, to dress it and keep it. To cultivate means you are the very seeds of God and you are here to till the soil of your soul to develop it, water it, remove the weeds out of your soul so that you cultivate your God natures and then keep it. So God puts you into your soul. The Garden of Eden spoken of is not a physical location. God created the spiritual you and then God breathed you into the dust and you became a living soul. That dust is your Garden of Eden. The dust of your mental, emotional and physical bodies. These constitute, these constitute your soul body. So these three coming together makes you a soul. And you are to cultivate you. And you know what it takes to cultivate trees. You have to clear the land. So clear the land of your mind, feeling, and body. And then you have to water it. You have to till the soil of your soul and make it ready to allow the seeds that you are to grow, the seeds of your divinity to grow. So I want you to know that you are God's garden of Eden. The garden of Eden that the Bible speaks of is, alleg is allegory, referring to your soul. You are spirit in the garment of your soul, in the garment of your mind, feeling, and body. You think, yes, meaning you have a thinking body or a mental body. You feel, yes, meaning you have a feeling body. And you have a physical body. But these come together to create what we call your soul. So we are here to create our soul. Yeshua put the same thing in a parable. And I want to read it. So the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. So you, like the mustard seed, you are to grow, bear fruits. And birds of the air means the goodness you are must be able to benefit life, other life units. Birds, speaking of other human beings, other needs, other situations in life that needs you as the solution. So grow to become the solution of life. 
That's what life is telling you. So Jesus re-emphasizes. So I've now proven to you from nature and from scripture that you are here to evolve. You are here like the mustard seed to grow, evolve, and become more. So that's the reason why we are here. You came to this human earth life to create your soul. At the end of your days, your creator's soul is all that you will have. Do not think you just come, pray to that human sky God, as some people would even think I'll pray to Jesus to save me from the hell of the sky God. We are here primarily for the creation of our soul. Today, when you are not happy, when you are in guilt, in fear, your soul is, I mean, in turmoil. So it is that if you live in such soul energy field throughout your life to your, the end of your days, the accumulation of these negativities will mean that you exit in that quality of your soul. And I will explain it much more as we go along. So in the book of um, Matthew 11, 11, we read something. I love my master Yeshua. I want to call him by his name. The world calls him Jesus, but I'll permit me to call him by his real name, Yeshua. In the book of Matthew 11, 11, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is clearly telling you that in the spiritual world that you will call the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, there are greats. And where you will be is determined by certain factors. This is a very deep and passionate message. That of all the people, of all the prophets, Abraham, Moses, Elijah, all the miracles and the wonderment that they did, including even raising the, the dead, dividing the, the Red Sea, Jesus is saying that all of these, none of them is greater than, Eli, than uh, John the Baptist. Yet, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. Meaning that, huh, all those who came before John the Baptist, they are in much lower wealth in the kingdom of God. Where will you be? I want you to think about it. This is the words of Jesus. Sometimes we read scripture and we don't meditate or contemplate on it. So Jesus was here teaching that the spiritual world that John the Baptist is in is beautiful, but the least in that kingdom all is greater than he. So all of his predecessors are in much lower world. Hence, they are great in the spiritual world. This is also confirmed in the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, 2-4. It says, I know a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up in the third heaven, and I know such a man whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up in paradise and heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. If there's a third heaven, then mm -hmm, 
there must probably be a, a, a four, fifth, six, and seven. Obviously, there must first be a first and a second heaven before a third heaven. Beloved, I'm talking to you about the spiritual world. You know, we have human natural body, which is animated by spirit. When the spirit leaves your body, you are dead. And we go to funerals and see the dead laid in state and we know spirit has left. And you don't have any knowledge of spirit. Classroom education to our universities are to provide you with the knowledge to manage your human material life. The church and other religious institutions are to provide you the knowledge, the spiritual knowledge to manage your spiritual life. Unfortunately, the churches and many religious organizations are not teaching spirituality. And even some of their followers are even afraid of the word spirit. Yet they are spirits. So what we've read in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2 to 4, tells us that there is in-the-body experience and there is out-of-the-body experience. And by grace of God, I've had the opportunity to have many, many, many out-of-the-body experience. And some of the things I'm sharing with you, I know. And you can feel that I know what I'm talking about. And I'm only confirming it with scripture because the writer here must have had out-of-the-body experience. Hence, he will say, in the body, I don't know, or out-of-the-body, I do not know. And such a man was caught up in the third heaven. So, in this, we are come to conclude that all of the magical abilities of the past prophets, including raising the dead, do not place them in the higher realms of the kingdom of God. Question is, why is that so? Why is that so? Such was the plight of the world that it requires a teacher who may give up his life to teach you the sacred wisdom. To develop your soul for the higher world, it requires you to enter into the new paradigm that the great teacher, Yeshua, came to teach. And these are embodied in his three objectives. Hmm. So Jesus was simply telling you that the old must come to an end and you must step into the new paradigm, I, Yeshua, am teaching. Yeshua started his ministry by teaching that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven used interchangeably is at hand, Matthew 4, 17, meaning that the power, love, and the presence of God is within your reach. The first prayer in the Lord's prayer he gave us the first request in the Lord's prayer he gave us was, Thy kingdom come, Matthew 6, 10. Then he made it clear, Seek first the kingdom and its righteousness, and everything shall be added unto you. Clearly the man came to teach you the kingdom. In the book of Matthew 13, he gave eight parables, including the parable of the sower that I just quoted, indicating the devotion, the surrender, the practice, the discipline it takes for you to have the kingdom. Meaning it's not a tea party. It requires you to do something consciously and positively with your life. This life is a serious, joyful business. Eight parables in one chapter, Matthew 13. In the book of Luke 4, 43, he said, I must go to the other cities and teach them of the kingdom of heaven. 
for to this end I was sent. Clearly he was teaching that he was a messenger sent by somebody. Obvious question that they will ask him is, Master, when is this kingdom coming that you've been teaching about? Jesus gave up his life to teach what was sacrilegious and blasphemous. He knew that this teaching would mean I'll be killed. He was willing to give up his life for this teaching. I call that teaching the tree of life. So when they asked him, when would the kingdom come? He answered clearly. In the book of Luke chapter 17, verses 20 to 21, they asked him and he responded by saying, the kingdom is coming not by observation for anyone to say that here it is, there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Once again, emphasizing what he started with in Matthew 4, 17, that the kingdom of God is at hand. Where is it? It's within you. It is not coming with observation. For anyone to say, here it is or there it is. Jesus was here and there. So he removed himself out of the equation to conclude that the kingdom is within you. Meaning the power, love, and the presence of God is within you. So when you are of the old paradigm of Moses, Elijah, and so on, of the human God king, you can therefore not experience the real kingdom of heaven. That's why Jesus will say that Elijah, uh, John the Baptist is the highest, yet the least in the kingdom is greater than him. So his predecessors there, they are far, far behind in the kingdom. So it's not your miracle abilities or so-called miracle abilities. None of these ends you the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is very clear here. So beloved, you need to awaken to the new paradigm that the kingdom of God is within you. If the king and his kingdom are within me, then I and the king are one. And please observe that any time Jesus thought that they took stones to kill him, as in John 10, verses 30 to 34, when he said, I and the father are one, they took stones again to kill him. The word again means he has taught it several times, and each time they've taken stones to kill him because it was blasphemous and sacrilegious message, punishable by death, by the law of the time. And he was bold and daring enough to teach it. Somebody must give up his life for this truth. He did. Are you living by that truth? If not, sorry. You may be less in the kingdom than even John the Baptist or may even go into total extinction. So this is where I'm inviting you to Participate in your own evolutionary imperative. When I was young, there was a reading in the Bible, whenever I read it, I would think that Jesus was being snobbish and disrespectful to his parents. That reading can be found in the book of Matthew 12, verses 46 to 50. And it reads, While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said to him, Behold, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand towards his disciples and said, Behold my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. 
This is very clear. Because this scripture is clearly teaching you that in the kingdom of heaven, there's no family obligations or ties. Clearly, he was teaching you that this attachment to family, my brother, my sister, must not stop you from your own personal spiritual pursuit. They should never matter in your life. It doesn't mean don't take care of your, your family, but it's meaning, meaning that you have to evolve from the physical family consciousness to the spiritual family consciousness because in the world of spirit, there is no family. Your family, your friends, and everything, all of your human attachment, none of these people will matter to you when death arrives. And should they ever matter to you, they must matter to you only in the quest that they are participating in your soul's evolution. So this tells you the seriousness of the evolutionary imperative that you must disengage from all material attachments. And Jesus will tell you that whoever does not hate his mother and father, brother, sister, even his own flesh, he wasn't meaning hating them literally. But he means if you do not really separate your consciousness from your comfort zone, the mother consciousness, father consciousness, comfort zone consciousness, you cannot experience the kingdom of heaven. It is therefore clear that we are here on our evolutionary adventure for the cultivation of our own souls. Your families, your friends, your acquired properties are all your playmates. They are all your playmates and your acquired properties are your play toys. Your money and your acquired properties and buildings and cars, they are just your play toys. So life is providing you with playmates and play toys for the evolution of your soul. Because real relationship is what happens in spirit and must be based on your evolutionary quest. After death, all you have is your evolved soul. And if it's a happy evolved soul, it will be in the happy world. So if you are not in the three paradigm of the three objectives of Jesus, you cannot have true evolutionary soul. I share with you the first objective, which is divine empowerment, where he taught you that the kingdom of God is within you. In the book of uh, Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23, Jesus taught that not all those who say, Lord, Lord, but those who do the will of the Father. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, but those who do the will. In that day, you will say, Lord, I healed in your name. I did miracles in your name. I prophesied in your name. And he said, his response would be, I do not know you, you workers of iniquity. So all of your ability, I healed, prophesied, spoke in tongues in your name, whatever. He said, I don't know you. Unless you are evolving your soul, unless you do the will of the Father. What is this will of the Father? They asked him. And he responded in the book of Mark chapter 12, verses 29 to 31, as oneness of life. He made declaration of oneness. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, and you shall love God with all of your heart, all of your might, and your neighbor as yourself. They believe they know God, but who is their neighbor? And when they asked him, he gave them the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, teaching Jews that the Samarians who were of the other religion and other culture must be loved by them as themselves. Love the man of the other faith and culture as yourself. Are you doing it as a Christian? 
Are you with the paradigm of Jesus? That's what he taught. And then in John 4, he even demonstrated it by going to the land of Samaria. He was at the well of Samaria. And the well in the desert place is like the soul or heart of the people mixed with, with them. Prophets in those days like Jesus would not mix with a woman of that caliber, a likely prostitute. They won't. Jesus came to break down all the barriers that separate humanity. The greatest desire of every parent is the oneness of the children. Not that they will live in wealth, but they will be one. So the greatest desire of life is for you to live in one. So the earth itself has force of gravity to ensure that we don't scatter in space. It holds everything that goes up to come down. That is love. That is oneness. So Jesus gave them the parable of the Good Samaritan and he demonstrated it in John 4. Spoke with the woman, later mixed with the Samarians and taught them. And even after his death, when Peter, upon whom he said he would found his church, would have practiced segregation, the Holy Spirit gave him a revelation in Acts chapter 10. And he woke up declaring, I perceive God is no respecter of persons, but that in every land, in every nation, every city, whoever does his will is accepted with him. The will of God is oneness. There cannot be true evolution or growth. You can never promote life without entering into oneness. You cannot be impactful upon life without entering into oneness. Without the awakening to the cosmic oneness of life, you will be in human selfishness to some shades or degrees. But when you are waking to the oneness, you know that everybody is an extension of you. Your life will be different. Jesus lived such a life. Jesus came. In those days, you cannot sit with tax collectors. He was with tax collectors. You cannot be with women. He was with women. He came to break down all the barriers we have created so we can practice and experience oneness. Is your church teaching you oneness? And are you yourself embodying and practicing oneness? Not theoretically. Speaking to many people, I often will say that, hey, you say you are Ghanaians, and you say, oh, even Ethereans, I tell Ethereans that you are here in Ghana, and you say, oh, we are in oneness. But there are some of you who have got some resentment against Nigerians. And then some will say, yes, it's true. That resentment means you are no more, you are not in oneness. It must be from the soul. And there are Nigerians who have resentment against Ghanaians or other tribes of the same African con continent. What is happening? When there's one crime uh, by a Nigerian in Ghana, hey, the Nigerians, but Nigeria is five, six times bigger than Ghana. And as the saying goes in the tradition, Ephibia was Mensa, every house has Mensa in it. So there may be, there can be badness everywhere. But we will find reason to tag people based on their race, creed, culture, tribe, or whatever, and marginalize them. I'm inviting you to Jesus' teaching of oneness. You must know it, you must feel it, and you must practice it. So, once again, beloved, after death, you came here to develop your soul. And after death, all you have is your evolved soul. If it's a happy, progressive, joyful, creative soul, that's what it has evolved into. And not 
sad, happy, sad, happy, uh, sorrowful, happy. No. You must have a default state. What is your default state? Are you Christ-oriented or flesh-oriented? How conscious are you even as spirit being? That is the primary question, and its answer is the beginning of your spiritual journey towards evolution. How conscious are you as spirit? The, the spiritual journey is an inward one. And Jesus taught you that the kingdom of God is within you. So you must begin your spiritual journey. You see, when the little chick uses its soft beaks to break the rocky shell and flies out, you can imagine its surprise because the horizon it knew in the eggshell compared to the new horizon it sees is really amazing. Beloved, I'm inviting you to realize that there is a very big, deep world within you. The world within you is zillion times bigger than the world without. But when the little chick was in the eggshell, for anyone to tell it that there's a world bigger than the world you are in, it may not believe it. So me telling you today that the inner world is bigger than the outer world, you may not believe it. The Bible told you that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Also implying that there's the greater world is within you. After all, think of it. Every invention we are enjoying today came from within. Every invention, even your knowledge of farming from olden days, came from within. So that tells you that there is a world within you. And you must start your spiritual journey by being in the right place where you'll be taught to know how to access this inner world. The kingdom of God truly is within you. Many are not even conscious of who and what they are as spirit beings to even start the journey. Your life's journey will soon come to an end. And you need to determine how and where you will be. When all sit for their certificate examinations, the results will not care which school you were in. The examination just comes and whether you were in the best school or the worst school, it doesn't, the important thing that did you pass. Sometimes the reason for us being in spiritual families, such as our churches, is that my friends are, are there. My parents are there. Jesus said, who is my mother? Who is my brother? You must individually start your journey of evolution. You must start it now. Because sometimes, oh, our church is big. Life doesn't care how big your church is. It can be a big church leading all into ignorance. And Jesus knew this could happen. Hence, he taught you that broad is the way. That's Matthew 7. That broad is the way. And many are on it that leads into destruction. But straight and narrow is the way, and only few find it. You see, the broad way is easy. Everybody says so. It's popular thinking. Everybody is going that way. Let me also join. It is fun. It is interesting. It's, it, the, the, there's no need for any effort. So let me be there. That is the broad way. But a narrow way, straight and narrow means it has some difficulty. It requires some discipline. And only if you find it, I'm happy you found it now in Ethereum Mission. And I'm inviting you, therefore, to fellowship with us and begin your spiritual journey. If I'm teaching you this, and that's what Ethereum Mission is founded on. This is the beginning and the ending of all 
all of my teacher. All of the spiritual tools and discoveries we have made, gigantic leap into spirituality, is all here in this message you are hearing. So your life journey will soon come to an end. And it doesn't matter. You will say, I was in this church. I was in that church. Life doesn't matter. Whether you are going to pass the mathematics, the physics, or the history, that is what is important. So the results will not care which school you attended. It only cares how well you have mastered the subject. However, we all know that being in a good school makes it easier for you to pass than being in a, a poorly equipped schools. So check whether your school, your spiritual school, such as your, your church, has got this knowledge, wealth of wisdom to support you in your evolutionary journey. Beloved, I'm talking about the evolutionary imperative. The ultimate grand purpose, therefore, is this, that this earth life is a unique opportunity for your evolution or for the creation of your soul. In this earth life, you can experience spectrum of emotions in an hour. For example, you can in an hour experience uh, anger, hate, fear, jealousy, as well as experience uh, happiness, joy, care, enthusiasm, all the way to bliss, all in an hour. In the spirit world, whatever your default state is with which you leave this, this earth to the spirit world, your cultivated soul is what you are going to, to keep. Bible say to dress it or to cultivate it and keep it. So your soul that you have created is what you will keep. I mean, don't be very uh, naive to think that you will live in a world, you live as an angry, fear-filled, jealous, easily hurt person, and then you die, and then you go to a happy place. How? Your spiritual state is the state with which you enter into the spirit world. And I will explain that a great deal more. So, this earth is a huge opportunity. Also, on this earth, we have the opportunity of time energy, space, and circumstance, which we don't have in spirit world. In spirit world, if your default state is anger, you can be in it for thousands of years, and you'll be among people who are angry. That is worse than hell. There's no hell, a fair place God has set physically to roast anybody. God is a loving presence, not a bloodthirsty, uh, I mean, monster who wants to smell the stench of roasting people and hear the screams of crying people. No, that's not God. God is not a person. God is a creative love, intelligence within life, as I've shared with you. So in the spirit world, I want to tell you that you can live in one state of emotion and thinking for thousands of years. And scripture will tell you in Psalm 90 verse 4 that uh, uh, for a thousand years in your sight are uh, like yesterday when it is past and like a watch in the night. So, so just like a blink of an eye, thousand years. You can live in the spirit world in, some, in that particular state for so many years. So better wake up and start cultivating your soul. Start asking, what ways can I cultivate my soul? I'm going to share with you some exact steps to cultivate your soul so that you evolve your Christ spirit. So we are all here to evolve. You need to evolve. Listen to me. The earth does not need the seeds to grow into a tree. The seeds need the earth so that they will evolve their own evolutionary imperative into mighty trees. 
God does not need you to evolve and be enlightened. You need to step up into the energy of God to evolve you, to express your innate qualities. Because the compelling divine in everyone is to express your innate joy, your innate capabilities and possibilities. You cannot escape it. To resist it is pain. It's an upward thrust for you to evolve. And anything short of evolution is pain. Zillions of generations or years ago, you were not here. And zillions of years after you have died and gone, life will still be here. You are spirit that is here in this life experience to grow your soul world. You are here in this window of eternity. I say zillions of years before now, you're not here. And zillions of years after you are gone, life will still be. So this is your window of eternity for the cultivation of your soul, for the cultivation of your garden of Eden. It can be thorny garden of Eden or flowery garden of Eden. That choice is yours. At the end of your days on the earth, the strength, substance, and power of your cultivated soul is all that you will ever have. You will have just you. Life gave you all of your inner and outer resources for the cultivation of your soul. The resources, some of them may be painful, joyful, but whatever they are, you are to use all for the cultivation of your soul. You are here for the cultivation of your soul. Now, for this to happen, we go through four phases of evolution. Again, I will use nature to help us understand the four phases of evolution. No teacher can learn for you to be intelligent to pass your examination. And no pastor can pray for you to evolve your spiritual qualities. So going to a church and saying, oh, they will heal me, they will heal your body, you will be well, and you will eventually be sick and die. Get that clear. At the end of, the, of your day, Know that there's a reason for you being here. Life doesn't care whether you are sick or healthy. Life only cares that. Even if you are sick and your body is rotting with disease, you will still use that as an opportunity to evolve. Life doesn't care who hurts you, who said what against you. Life only cares that. When they said it, you used it to exercise your spirit of patience, love, joy, care. The usefulness of the light is in the darkness. So when they mistreat you, you have to love them. That's what Jesus taught you in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 to 46, that you have heard, it's been said unto you, that love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to them who hate you. Pray for the good of those who despitefully use you and persecute you, so that you be children of your father. For he sent the sun and the rain on the good and on the evil, on the just and on the unjust. You are not called upon to judge. You are called upon to just express your God qualities. Every time you react, you become the worst of the evil. You become the greater evil to the wrong you reacted to. Listen to me. I say you always become the greater evil to the wrong you reacted to. Because when the wrong was done against you and you reacted that wrong, you wanted to react it in a stronger way for the person who did the wrong to see how wrong he or she was. So you become the greater evil. 
But what about showing forth what you are? When you are wrong, Jesus is saying, show forth your love. Love them. Bless them. How are you showing up in life? In the life of pain and discord, how are you showing up? Are you also showing up as pain and discord or as love, light, joy, beauty? Yeshua is asking you to show up as your Christ essence, with your Christ essence. So, beloved, get the message clear that no teacher can pass examination for you. Even if they pray to heal your body, you will still have to work out your own salvation, as the Bible told you in Philippians 2.12, with fear and trembling. The only salvation there is is to evolve your soul for the promotion of life. That's the only salvation. You see, there is nothing like salvation in itself in the dictionary of God. God cannot create you in his, his or her own image and likeness to be saved unto him. There is only evolution, and we see it in nature, and scripture also confirms it. The seed evolves into a tree, then it becomes a plantation. The sperm and the ovum meet, and in the recognition of oneness, they fuse to become you. So growth lies in oneness. Growth lies in oneness. And the four phases of evolution are the same phases of evolution that we see with every invention. Every invention goes through the four phases of uh, phase one. The invention was an idea in the mind of the inventor. In the second, the invention becomes a prototype. In the third, the invention is created as a product. And then the fourth, the invention now uh, comes to its end. These are the four phases of every product. It has the time when it cannot be seen, then it, the prototype, then it becomes a reality, and then every product, one day comes to an end. Every, every machine, whatever has a beginning, has an end, including our beautiful earth. So our spiritual evolution goes in the same four phases. In phase one, you pre-existed this life. In phase one, you pre-existed this lifetime. That's why Jeremiah 1.5 will say, before I formed you, I know you. Before I formed you, I know you means that you were a spiritual idea in the mind of the creative love intelligent universe. Before I formed you, I know you. So you were an idea, a clear idea, and every inventor loves his idea. The idea was a perfect image and picture in the inventor's mind. So before you even came to be conceived in your mother's womb, you were an idea. Genesis 1, 26-28 confirm that you were created in God's spiritual image and likeness and blessed uh, with original blessing to be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it. The evolutionary command. That was the evolutionary command, the evolutionary imperative. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and be in dominion. You can't escape it. So that blessing command is your evolutionary imperative. You have no choice. You are here to announce, pronounce, and broker the divine natures of God that you are. Get it again. You are here to announce, pronounce, and broadcast your God divine natures. And you better wake up and start doing it. So before you would even be conceived, you were a divine spiritual idea in the mind of God. In phase two, you lived as a fully conscious being in the womb of your mother, developing organs for this lifetime, for the next stage. And while you were in the womb, Bible says in Jeremiah 1.5, I ordain you. That was when you were ordaining yourself with the right 
uh, genes to pick and so on for your for ambition. You live as a fully conscious being in the womb, developing organs that you will need in the next phase, in the phase three. If there are some organs you didn't develop and you get to phase three, you will be born handicapped, which puts your life in struggle. You will still have to evolve with whatever handicap situation you find yourself because your evolution is imperative. So at birth, watch what happened. At birth, you died to the old placenta life and you were born into the human life. The placenta life was a different world. We're not breathing. We're receiving oxygen from liquid. Everything passively, every nourishment passively from liquid. And you died to the placenta life. The placenta was buried. And you were born into this human life. Now you are in phase three, this human life. So this present human life is your third phase. Your spiritual evolution continues. And you are to develop the various now organs of your spiritual muscles. This time, you are not developing physical muscles. Here in phase three, you are to develop spiritual muscles for the next phase, which is the spiritual world. Because in the next phase, you will put off the material, this physical body too. So get it clear. So you are now to develop your muscles of love, intelligence, and creativity with all of its shades of kindness, care, counseling, teaching, knowledgeable, music, and so on. Jesus told you the kingdom of God is within you. you. Galatians 5, 22-23 tells you that the fruit of the Spirit is peace, love, joy, wisdom. You have to identify which of these am I and then to evolve them. Your soul, according to Genesis 2.15, is your garden of Eden. And you are here to evolve, to embrace your paradise. In our language, sometimes you do something, they will say, What fruits are you bearing? Because we bear fruits from within. Something like that. What fruits are you bearing? So we are here to evolve specific fruits. Your soul may be likened to a thorn garden or a flower garden. As I shared earlier, if your thoughts, feelings, your emotions are such that others seeing it will feel happy and say, let me hug him. This is a nice place to be. You, are, you can be likened to a flower garden. But if your inner world is full of anxiety, hate, fear, um, sense of segregation, separation, um, hopelessness, and so on, then you are thorn. You are full of thorns. You are a thorny garden. That is the world you are creating. So what soul are you creating? You are either creating a fear-filled, destructive soul, or you are creating a flower, beautiful garden of peace, love, joy, wisdom. The choice is yours. You will certainly have to shed off your present human body in a short while and enter into the next phase, phase four. You will soon leave this body and be in phase four. Whatever soul body you have cultivated, whatever garden of Eden you have cultivated, you are going to that heavenly flowery garden of peace, love, joy, wisdom, or you have cultivated a soul garden of anger, hate, fear, destruction, but biting, hurting one another, planning how to enjoy somebody, and that is the world you will be in. That is the nature of your soul. In the spirit world, the law is best of the same feathers, climb 
birds of the same feathers flock together. That's, that's the law of the spirit world. So if it's four, it comes through the gateway called death, and it is certain to come to you at any time. You will let go of this body. Truly a time comes, we call it death. And you will realize that nothing in this world is yours except what you are. What are you? Corinthians 15.44 tells you there's a natural body and there's a spiritual body and we shall all change in the twinkle of an eye. Where will you be? Will you be in the third heaven as I've shared or will you be in the second or first heaven? Or higher than even the third heaven? Will you be in the heaven lower than John the Baptist or will you be in heaven higher than John the Baptist? All the prophets before John, uh, to John the Baptist, they all believe in eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Jews, we are special. We, nobody else is like us. We must love our neighbors and hate our enemies. Segregation and all the, the like. The kingdom of God is in the sky with the sky God up in the clouds. That's their belief. And Jesus came to change it. 2,000 years is far gone and we are still with the old paradigm and some have even retrogressed much, much further than even the old paradigm. So if there's a third heaven, there must be first and, and second and you will have to choose where you want to be. And there certainly will be a fifth, sixth and, and seven. Where you will be depends on you based on this human life in phase three we will enter certainly in phase four. Either a pleasant flower heaven or an anguish, thorny hell for you. You are creating your heaven or your hell now. In the grand scheme of things, having great health, wealth, and riches, and high profile, connections is no sign of success. In most cases, you are just in the prison of these things, of these material possessions. The only success there is, is a successful you that you really work with, with life's evolutionary plan. You are either with life's evolutionary upward plan, trusting with it, anything should come to the contrary is pain. The tree sacrifices its fruits for the birds to eat, the animals to eat, and through that, it becomes more. Your beauty, your health, your wealth, and everything you have in all of your abilities are gifts of nature. All of your friends and families are playmates. Your possessions are your play toys. You are to use all for the creation of your evolutionary imperative, for the creation of your soul. Even when your body is sick, the sickness must evolve some God quality in you. Life does not care. So in summary, there is nothing like salvation in the dictionary of God. There is evolution. That is what it is. In phase one, you were created in God's spiritual image and likeness and blessed to evolve. Jeremiah 1, 5. And Genesis 1, 26 to 28. In phase two, you were breathed into the dust of the womb of your mother. Genesis 2, 7. Jeremiah 1, 5. And in phase three, you were put into the garden of Eden. You were placed in the garden of your soul to cultivate you and to keep it. In phase four, it will soon happen. You will exit and where you will be depends upon the spiritual muscles you have created. So you are here for a spiritual game. You are not here for material game. You are here for spiritual game. 
So the question now will be, how do I cultivate my soul? You see, the soul as a prism, um, maybe likened to this, your, the soul serves as the prism. You see, when light passes through a prism, it breaks out in the spectrum of its colors. And when spirit passes through the prism of the soul, it is to break out the spectrum of its colors of peace, love, joy, wisdom, and all of the evolutionary goodies. So your soul is your consciousness, constituted by the three evolutionary drives. We all have three evolutionary drives. And knowing and applying yourself to them is the way to cultivate your soul. The first drive is knowledge and application. Knowledge and appropriate application of the self. You must know, strengthen, and establish your soul values through the running of who and what you are. What spiritual qualities are you? I will treat this on Thursday in great depth for you to know your spiritual qualities. You are a creative being, meaning you have abilities to dance, to sing, to be courageous, uh, to, uh, to bring things to, to, together, to be an author, to create beauty. You are also a love being, meaning you have abilities to care, to be kind, to be generous, or to unify. You are also an intelligent being, meaning you have ability to counsel, to teach, to be knowledgeable, to be open-minded. These are some of the qualities of your creative love, intelligent self. If you look into your life, there's some good that you do naturally and effortlessly. That is your spiritual persona. And there's, there are ways for you to give attention to them so you clearly know them. And then you start exercising. You initiate programs that will exercise these spiritual qualities. You don't only need to have them. You must develop them, cultivate them. When the seed lies in the soil and refuses to grow into a tree, it rots and becomes just a sand. Are you going to be just that? Watch it. As a baby, you would want to taste your hands. That is the way you want to define you. You want to feel you. That was your desire to know yourself. Unfortunately, the environment taught you the names of your eyes, uh, ears, and so on, but they didn't teach you anything of your spirit. So you grow up only knowing your material world and nothing of the spirit that you really are. The spiritual you from beginning was ignored. And that's why you are in this state now. And you have to go to spiritual churches to teach you what you are a spirit, how to access you. You know your soul values by going uh, through your soul to ask yourself, what is the good that I know I am? What's the good that I believe I am? Deep within there's some good you believe you are. You must make time with you to discover it. So whatever soul values you have, such as the counseling, caring nature, you have to really work to strengthen them. Life does not care about you. Life cares about how much evolution you make out of whatever gifts it brings to you. Pain or pleasure, they are all to be used for your evolution. It is strange how people make huge issues about petty pains in their lives, such as somebody gossiped about me. I was betrayed and uh, I, I suffered from cancer. I was lied about. I was rejected. I was divorced. And so what? Life gives you all of these to strengthen you, to show for what God's stuff you are made up of. All that life cares about is that you use all of your pains and your pleasures for your evolution. 
You've been giving 7 billion people on the planet as playmates for your evolution. You've been giving uh, uh, cars. If you, have not, you don't even own one, you see them. You see houses. Everything you see are all your play toys. When you see somebody driving his car, do you feel good for the person or you envy? So you see, even whether you have a car or you don't have a car, there's a spiritual dimension to it that seeing somebody having a car can evoke love or can evoke envy, can evoke heaven or can evoke hell. So you see, life is mathematics, playing it, it all. You have to use your heads and your joys for life. Life cares more about what it is evolving you into than what is happening to you. So you can complain, this happened to me, they did that to me. Um, the sun will still rise in the east and set in the west. All you do is to allow the good you are to benefit life. You recall Jesus in the book of, uh, was it uh, Matthew 25, verse 31 to 46. He said, I was ill, you visited me. I was a stranger, you brought me in. Lord, when did I do these things? He responded, when you did it for them, you were doing it for me. To the other group, he said, I was a stranger, you ignored me. I was sick, you didn't revisit me. Oh, Lord, when were you needing this and we didn't? When you are not doing it for these others, you're not doing it for me. Life, we are reflecting one another. You are to do good. And the good you do for one, you are doing it for you. You are not here to do good for anybody. You are to do good for the expansion of your soul. You are in the business of expanding your soul. You therefore do not care about who is uh, gossiping about you. Those gossiping about you, you are thinking of, what do I do for their ultimate good? So they will no more even need to gossip. Do the highest good that you are capable of doing. You are true that exercising your own innate God abilities. Knowing your soul values, how what you are constituted of will make you also know how to grow you. If you're a caring spirit, how do I grow my caring nature? The child is a God seed. It must be cultivated into an adult mighty tree of God. Life doesn't care what religion you belong to. Life only cares that you evolve your soul. And of course, therefore, you need the right school, the right education to make it easy for you to evolve your soul. So, beloved, once again, the three things you need in your evolution quest is that you must have knowledge and appropriate application of yourself and evolutionary belief system. You see, if you believe in an all-loving God who is for only your race, your church, then it's not evolutionary. Evolutionary belief system means your inner belief when practiced will work for your highest good and the good of all of life then we say it is an evolutionary belief system. So check your inner belief system, which produces your thoughts and your feelings. And then the third is that you must uh, uh, be impactful. You are here for impact. And for impact, you must work to replicate the good you are in other people. If you know this truth, you must work to make others know it. So one time in my life, I have to give up my prospering business so I will be fully available to make the truth I know register in other people so I can complete my books, so I can be available for you. You must expand your soul. You see, your soul must not be a, a, a small, good soul. It must also be expanded into a plantation. 
So grow your soul by replicating the good you are in other people. When you replicate the good you are in other souls, your soul force becomes larger. So when you know truth and you share in other souls, your soul becomes larger. And when you are a pastor and you don't know the truth and you share falsehood, and it, it diminishes people, withdraw them into a hellish, thorny world, it also withdraws you and diminishes you, reduces you into hell. So always ask yourself, in what ways is my life supporting and growing life? If someone's hatred does not make you more loving, you wasted that, that opportunity. So use every opportunity for your growth. Impactful life. Have a life in which the good you are is multiplying itself in other people. Have a passionate evolutionary belief system that promotes all of life. Because life is one organic whole. Beloved, your soul is your garden of Eden. In you grows many virtues of love, evolutionary intelligence, and creativity. The good you grow in life creates your soul flowery garden or and the evil you grow in life creates your thorny uh, garden of Eden. Spirit is in its garden of Eden for the creation of its soul. It is one life. You are life's cosmic work in progress. You must allow life to work its will through in, in and through you. In your soul, suit of your mind, feeling, and body, you are meeting with 7 billion people and a lot of who are who serve as your playmates and a lot of play toys as properties, wealth, health, and so on. When you are waking to this truth that you are here to cultivate and grow your soul, you'll be too busy to participate, you'll be too busy participating in your evolution than to worry about pity petty partying, who is gossiping, who is doing something against me. You are busy growing your soul. Your vision of and for life is to grow you in life for life. And as you grow you in life, you come to a place where you know that the glorified true trial is your name. All trials are just instruments, play toys. Somebody hurts me. Somebody did this. They are just the play toys. Beloved, I'm inviting you to a new way of living. Every situation you go through is either building you towards God, for you to be strong in God and as God, to reveal more of your God's strength or breaking you down into human weakness. Come to this awareness. It's one of my philosophy. Oh, let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. Let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. In other words, I'm praying to have that strength, love of God so strong that nothing can break it. This is the new world I'm inviting you into. And this has been the theory mission, the Church for Spiritual Empowerment. I invite you this and every Sunday to join me in church so we grow together. In Ghana, we are located in Sakaman, South Odoko, next to the Goyal Feeling Station. And you can get some more details when you call us on the numbers 0264 one seven seven six three three zero five four eight one seven seven six three three. We have a branch in Kumasi uh, at Deba Court Hotel uh, in Adiembra behind Dr. Badu. And if you are in Takradi, look for the three mission sign on Davis Street in the Nanji Estate. In UK, we are in Micham, 58 Gorinch Park Avenue 
in Micham, Surrey. The postcode is CR42DG. And the phone number there, 020-8646-6129. Join us, beloved. I invite you for the evolution of your soul. It's the evolution imperative. You are here to co-create your soul. That's why you are here. You are not here to complain about who is doing something wrong or something right. I invite you to live it. And I will end here and invite your contributions and questions if we still have some time. If not, you can write your questions and we can deliberate on them on Thursday when I conclude this teaching. Thank you very much, for another wonderful message. Well, um, I have a few questions here, but I, I think I'll just ask only one of them and then we will save the rest for Thursday. Well, Caesar is asking, should I stop waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ since now I would have to work on my soul? I believe I've answered that question several times. There is no second coming of a physical Jesus to save anybody. And scripture is very clear about that. In Jesus' own words, he said, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see my second coming. It's about 2,000 years. Nobody is 2,000 years old. And nobody, therefore, can say that we're still waiting for the second coming. His words were very clear. There are some here who will not see death until they see my second coming. The second coming is not the coming of a perfect man. It is the awakening to your duty to evolve your soul. Today, as I speak, today will be somebody's awakening to his or her Christ essence. And to him, therefore, the second coming is here. The second coming is the awakening to your Christ essence and fulfilling you. Please wake up and start cultivating your garden of Eden, the garden of your soul. Thank you very much, Brother Ishmael. Um, I'll read a few messages via the Facebook live video. Uh, we have Diana L. Presley, the master teacher. That is her comment. Uh, we have Fred Ebeniku and Nim. We can hear you. Mark Kojo Owusu, enlightenment for real. Jade Steele, so wonderful to see and hear your, power, your beautiful and powerful messages. I love you. Brother say I love you too before I carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Jade. Good one. <laughs> and um, we have Ken White, Nipa, um, just giving a thumbs up. Roger Adi, powerful message. And we have Nana Eko Mensa who says he's watching all the way in the United. I don't know if he's in Ghana now. Uh, Fafa, uh, Faith Fafa, go back the second. We can't wait for Thursday. Uh, well, uh, Wow, well, I, I can't, I'm not so good with this symbol. Anyway, uh, we, we catch again ourselves on Thursday. And um, Paul Darkon says, very, very deep. Thank you very much all uh, for watching on Facebook. Uh, the last question before we round up nicely while we wait for Thursday is, was it because John the Baptist was not a Christian? That is why he was least in the kingdom of God. Jesus was not a Christian. Christianity was founded over 400 years after Jesus had died. So Jesus himself was not a Christian. So it's not a question of 
you being a Christian or not a Christian, but you not of the Yeshua consciousness, the Christ consciousness of Yeshua. You not be of the consciousness of divine empowerment, awakening to your spiritual essence as a beloved child of God, filled with some specific God qualities. You are living and you do not know even what you are constituted of, what talents you, you have. And as Jesus will say, if you are done, you are not conscious of it, or you are conscious of it, but you don't grow them, it will be taken of you, taken away from, from you. That's what they did to the person who buried his talent. To many people on the planet today, you've just buried your talent. Some are not even conscious of who you are to even start your journey. So because they were of the old paradigm, the old paradigm believes in eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. They believe in segregation. They believe in their culture is the only one and everyone else is uh, evil. So that old paradigm is not evolutionary. So that's why they will not be in an evolutionary universe. The universe is evolving. Science today has, is teaching us that with uh, big satellites in space, they realize that the universe is expanding, still expanding. In other words, we are here to evolve. Life is forever expanding. So you are to forever expand. So they're not evolutionary. And their philosophies and what they practiced will not promote life. Those were the philosophies of going and killing people and raping them and keeping virgins to your, yourself. That is not evolutionary. So go back to the Old Testament and you know why of all the prophets, none of them is greater than John the Baptist. But the least in the kingdom is greater than he, than John the Baptist. So when even John the Baptist the forerunner of Jesus is the least. Tell you, dear, where will you be? Start working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2.12 Be serious now. It will be too late. Tomorrow will be too late. Wake up. The evolutionary imperative, you can't escape it. Get the message clear. You are here creating your soul. Your garden of Eden. It can be thorny garden of Eden. Or it can be a flowery garden of Eden. The choice is yours. And we'll see some ways of this when we come on Thursday. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you very much, Brother Ishmael. But before we go, I'll have to read um, a very lovely comment sent by Dr. Chiwuza uh, in Malawi. This is so powerful and eye-opening, Brother Ishmael. Thank you. It helps us understand in part why africa is not developing as it should what is needed is a spiritual revolution a focus on our evolution rather than on material things we have a great opportunity for growth for using our challenges to help us evolve when we focus rightly on evolution then all other things and successes fall into place viva spiritual revolution Viva spiritual revolution for our evolution. That is Dr. Chiwosa in Malawi. I think you would have to say something to that and then uh, you round up nicely. Thank you so much, Dr. Chiwosa. You've encapsulated it so beautifully. This is what we need spiritual revolution. Oh, rightly said what we need. And I believe this message is the Alpha and the Omega. It is what to start all of you to wake up that this is what it's about. Teaching you this, you now need the spiritual tools to start your 
evolution. Jesus will say, what does it profit a man when he gains the whole wealth and loses his own soul? And there are people who don't know even anything about their souls. What is your soul? The soul is your consciousness. The soul is your consciousness made up or constituted of your belief system, your knowledge and application of yourself and your impact drive in life. That is your soul. Your mind, feeling, and body and the energies of their self-knowledge of themselves, their belief system that produces even thinking and feeling, and your impactful drive, that is the nature of your soul. But we live and we don't know anything of our soul. And Jesus said, what does it profit them? And when he gains the whole world and loses his own soul, today, today the churches are on big business on telling you, come, let me do something for you to get money, to get all the wealth. Mm, if you want to make money, go to the financial people so they advise you. And much as they keep teaching this and saying, the God is blessing you, I receive it. We are getting poorer and poorer. I receive it and receiving open air, nothing but none but human emptiness. So I'm inviting you. What does it profit a man when he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? So the question is that the first goal is, what is my soul? How do I gain my soul? What do I do to gain my soul? What is my soul so I don't lose it? If you don't know your soul, you have already lost it. If you don't, you're not conscious of it, you don't have it. So if you're not conscious of your own soul, then you don't even have it. You've lost it from beginning. I'm bringing you back to your soul. You've moved far away from it. And I'm now bringing you back. If this has been useful, please invite your friends, or this is on Facebook, so they can go and watch it over and over. Tell your friends, share, keep sharing. So everyone will hear this. And Thursday, we shall be going more into what to do to grow your soul based on the three evolutionary drives. Knowledge and application of the self, evolutionary belief system, and impactful living. So we're going into details of these three areas. So you can start your journey of soul discovery and its expansion. Beloved, this has been Ethereum Mission Hour of Awakening and Empowerment. And I know you have mightily awakened and empowered. I invite you to join us this and every Sunday in our church services in Ethereum Mission. In Ghana, we are located in Sakaman, south of Dokor, next to the Goyal Feeling Station. And the phone numbers here are 0264-177-633 and 0548-177-633. Six three three. Maybe for your impactful living, you will want to promote this teaching and this work by donating to us on these same mobile numbers that I give to you. If you are in London, we are in Mitcham on 58 Gorringe Park Avenue, Mitcham, Surrey. And the postcode is CR42DG. The phone number in London, 020-8646-6129. Once again in Ghana, if you are in Takrade, please look for the Ethereum Mission signboard on Davis Street, Ananji Estates. And if you are in Kumasi, look for Ethereum Mission in Deba Court Hotel in Adiembra, uh, behind Dr. Badu. You are welcome. This is the place 
where spirituality is our base. We teach you what you are, give you the tools to evolve your soul so you will not be lost in the ocean of life. Thank you so much for participating with me. It's been wonderful knowing that you are there participating with me. God bless you. God bless you, Brother Ishmael. And um, from what you said, you are here for the cultivation of your soul. So you are here for yourself. So for the very ones who are saying, I stand by Otabel, I stand for Otabel and what have you. In fact, you better stand for yourself. Uh-huh. Because Dr. Mensa Otabel must stand for himself. And uh, whatever that he is going through at this very moment, if he goes through this pain, he gets better. Let us stand, stand for ourselves. I think that is the most important thing. And as he said, on Thursday, uh-huh, the three principles, more flesh will be put on that. I think it will be a step in the right direction, Brother Ishmael, to play uh, Fafes Purpose song, isn't it? To play what? Fafes, uh, is it Purpose song from Fafa? Oh, yes, yes, if you have it. Oh, yes. It is very appropriate. I'll, set it, mm. I'll, I'll certainly, certainly, certainly do that. So we catch ourselves again on Thursday. Good morning once again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. To live and not know what state of God you are, it's a disaster. Know your purpose is a tragedy, it's a disaster. To live and not know what state of God you are, it's a disaster. To not know your purpose is a tragedy, it's a disaster. You may tomorrow be gone, tomorrow may never come. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, to purpose for living now. In this you will build your soul, in this you will be the difference, in this you will be the answer to the prayers of humanity. In this you will build your soul, in this you will be the difference. You'll be the answer to the prayers of humanity To live and not know what state of God you are It's a disaster To not know your purpose is a tragedy It's a disaster Sunshine Rainfall, have stains, the wind blows, harmony, symphony, purpose. Sunshine, rainfall, have stains, the wind blows, harmony, symphony.